up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I'm your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic book fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan. You have reached the podcast exclusively talking comic book-based animation. Welcome to episode 75. Before we get into it, I'm going to give a brief presentation of the rules. Rule number one. Comic book animation said that already. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel 2-in-1, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold. This is a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three, most important, we gotta have fun. Welcome to another exciting Halloween episode as we spend the entire month of October celebrating Halloween. Before we get into it, I'm not gonna wait anymore. I'm bringing out my guest. He is the co-host of the Weird Warriors podcast. Welcome to the multiverse, Rich. How y'all doing, ladies and germs? Uh, <laughs> A pleasure being here. <laughs> thanks for joining us to, uh, on this fine uh, Halloween episode. I always kick it off with, uh, since it's this time of year, do you have a favorite horror film or horror film franchise? Uh, never really watched a whole lot of the horror genre stuff, but um, you know, I got to admit, you know, the one of my favorite movies, just period, you know, was the original Brandon Lee Crow uh, movie back from uh, the early '90s. You know, I've, I've you know collected all the comics, watched all the movies. You know, some of those are obviously a lot better than others, <laughs> but yeah, the Brandon Lee one is just fantastic. You know, just it's a horror, it's a comedy, it's a romantic film, and everything. I I can I watch that movie, you know, every Halloween. Yeah, that's uh, love that movie. I, I've never seen any of the sequels or the television series. Or uh, <laughs> do they hold up? Uh, the first one is the best one. That that goes without saying. And they kind of tail off pretty rapidly after that. I read somewhere that they're going to be rebooting the franchise in a movie like next year or two years or something. I can't remember who they got to do it, but you always get a little yee about, you know, Hollywood rebooting like everything anymore because it's just, it's so hard for to live up to the original standard. I think I read someplace one time they're thinking about redoing It's a Wonderful Life. And it's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> That's a movie you just can't touch. <laughs> there are certain movies, it's just like, no, absolutely not. Walk away. <laughs> so before we get into this week's topic, you're the co-host of the Weird Warriors podcast. Anyone doesn't know, they all about the DC comic Weird War Tales. So I got to ask, uh, what led you guys to pick that comic series for the subject of your podcast? Well, uh, Max has always been the sci-fi horror geek, and I've always been the war history geek. 
And he came up to me about, I don't know, two, three years ago and says, Hey, you know, would you be interested in maybe doing a podcast, you know, about a comic book? And he was his suggestion, you know, that we do the weird war tales. I mean, it was, I'll be honest, I'm a huge, 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 huge uh, DC war book junkie. I've got, like, I'm not lying, eight long boxes downstairs of just DC war books. I'm like, I'm like five away from having the total run. But Weird Wars Tales was one of the last books I got into for whatever reason. So we uh, had a little uh, talks with other people that were doing podcasts, had a little uh, tutorials, and we just uh, dove in with issue one. We're planning on doing all 124 episodes. We're going to do a lot of special missions along the way of other random, you know, war horror books. Uh, there were six, like uh, we jokingly refer to them as uh, redeployment issues, the stuff that came out in the 90s and 2000s. We're going to do all those also. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. We've been we're we're a little surprised at uh, some of the, uh, the level of the positive feedback that we've gotten. You know, Max would be the first to say we were originally just doing this for ourselves to talk about comic books, and if three or four people liked the book, that would be great. But you know, we've gotten you know several hundred followers and a good regular feedback. You know, on the Facebook page, on Twitter, and everything else. So, hey, in it to win it. So we're going to be talking for the first time in the multiverse, Sergeant Rock. And to give it a Halloween twist, we're going to be talking Sergeant Rock and the Creature Commandos. Now, full disclosure, I um, I don't dislike the war comics, but I was never into them as much as I was the superhero comics. I've read a lot of uh, the Creature Commandos, Weird War Tales, uh, a lot of the Enemy Ace storylines, but I haven't read as much of uh, Sergeant Rock as uh, the others. So in my research, uh, I found some of this fascinating, some stuff I never knew before about uh, Sergeant Rock. So we're going to backtrack a little bit. He was uh, created by the late greats Robert Kaniger and Joe Kubert. First appearance, Our Army at War, in issue 83 back in 1959. Mm-hmm. And this might sound stupid, but until I started researching this episode, I had no idea his name was John Rock. I thought it was Frank Rock, actually. Maybe, maybe um, you could be right. <laughs> you would, you would know better than I would. Maybe, maybe, well, it's been a while since I've dived into my Rock collection because you know, with with you know, with all the stuff that we're doing for Weird War, you know, I've primarily been digging through that title. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I actually found an issue of Our Army War '83 at a comic book store, you know, years and years and years ago. It was in horrible, horrible shape. Lots of you know, coupon cutouts and loose pages and everything else. But the guy, you know, the sticker on the envelope said, where else are you going to find it? You know, so I'm like, touche. You know, so I bought it. And I actually took it to a con and I got my copy of it signed by Joe Kubert. I got a picture of me with sitting next to him, holding the book after he signed it and everything. So it might be in really, really rough shape, but I got Joe to sign my copy before he passed. Well, I looked it up and we were, we're kind of both right. His actual full name is Sergeant Franklin John Rock. Okay. <laughs> That was a little sloppy research on my part, so uh, I apologize. You're not, you're not totally wrong. <laughs> and another fascinating thing I found, apparently there's a Sergeant Rock on both Earth 1 and Earth 2, which I had no idea was a thing either. Yeah, there's, in Sergeant Rock lore, he was supposedly killed by the last bullet fired on the last day of the war. I think they did something like that in DCU Legacies or something like that. They formally, you know, put it into uh, into canon. But during the 70s and everything else, they were doing a lot of these 
Brave and the Bold tie-ins with stuff like that, you know, with with Batman and and everything else like that. He's working at the Pentagon after the war and what and uh, and whatever. So again, that's got to be you know like alternate Earths or something like that. <laughs> well, I read somewhere in the late seventies, eighties, Robert Kaniger had he'd had enough of the superhero crossovers and the superhero team-up, and he firmly established that Sergeant Rock died in nineteen forty-five at the end of World War Two. I guess he wasn't a big fan of uh, them incorporating him into the superhero aspect of the DC universe. Yeah, it, it can get a little silly. They did something with, um, I think, in World's Finest. They had uh, they did like a two stories, you know, him working with like Wonder Woman or something like that. I mean, yeah, there's there's some stories that just shouldn't have gotten written. Let's just be honest. I mean, you can play the game with Batman, Secret Agent Man, Bruce Wayne, or something like that, but. Uh, Unless you play some sort of game with it, the, what was it? The, one, one of the first comics I ever picked up was uh, DC Comics Presents in the Superman. Okay, you just see all you have all the various guest stars coming in, and everything else. One of the first ones I picked up was uh, issue ten, where Superman gets blown back in time, and he he gets amnesia and he falls in with Sergeant Rock and Easy Company, and that was actually a, a really really well done story. You know, uh, Joe Staten did that one, and uh, that one's. Salted away, signed by Joe Staten to down my long box downstairs after all these years. But uh, he's very popular from the all the way uh, to the 60s, the 70s. I don't think the Sergeant Rock series ended until the early 80s. Late 80s, actually. 80s, 88, issue 422. Dang. I got all three Cubert boys to sign that one at a con. You know, Joe, Adam, and Andy all worked on that one. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> It's kind of fascinating because unlike Captain America or any of the others, he's just a guy. He's just a soldier. He's uh, He doesn't have superpowers. He's just a guy fighting during World War II. And his popularity lasted for, that's like, you're talking almost a 30-year period. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sergeant Rock was always my favorite DC war book. Uh, GI Combat, you know, Haunted Tank was uh, was a close second. And after that, I think it was a pretty sizable drop-off, you know, to the you know, our fighting forces and uh, a lot of the other books that were out there. I uh, was never a huge fan of the unknown soldier, but you know, I, I, <laughs> I collected all those also, you know, because you have to, but uh, rock and the haunted tank are my big too. And they, 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 there was, they had a lot of crossovers, you know, between each other's books a lot also. And believe it or not, the uh, haunted tank showed up on the brave and the bold cartoon. No, would, wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I mean, we, we did a special mission. Uh, one of the '60s uh, uh, GI combats. Yeah, you know, Rock and Easy, you know, had a cameo, you know, towards the back of the story. And actually, Johnny Cloud showed up, also. And so, one big happy, one big happy family. So, if you're a younger listener, you won't be aware of. Uh, there was a time when uh, comics weren't just superheroes, especially in DC, where horror, war, Western comics, science fiction—they had quite a variety in the '50s to the. Uh, it started to die at the end of the 70s, but things were a lot different. I don't know if it's Crisis on Infinite Earths or what happened in the 80s where all that stuff sorted to just kind of go to the wayside. Well, well right now, you know, it was Bruce Campbell wrote a miniseries, uh, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Issue one of that just came out like late last month. So issue right. two should be coming out pretty pretty soon. I got a copy. Yeah, I, I got the... Uh, I got the uh, the duffel bag version, you mean the cover, it, it's sold in a sealed bag because the cover is extra gory. 
Nice. You know, so I, you know, even the guy behind the counter didn't know what it looked like. I'm like, well, let me help you out there. (laughs) So I bought one, we cut it open and he took a photo of it with his phone so we could show people. And it's, the shot is from, you're standing behind a German and there's a massive hole in his head. And you're looking through the hole and you can see Sergeant Rock standing there with this Thompson. Then in the end, it just, you know, it's a zombie. Like there's like an eyeball and teeth and stuff like that, just blown all over the place. And like, Ooh, yeah, I guess I can see why they wanted to put this one in a bag. <laughs> that one's kind of rough. So to relate this to Halloween, we're also going to talk the creature commandos. First appearance, weird war tales issue 93 back in 1980 created by JM. Mateus and Pat Broderick. And if anybody doesn't know, the Creature Commandos were essentially the old Universal Monsters as American soldiers <laughs> during World War II, which is really a brilliant concept when you think about it. Yeah, we went to the, um, last year, we went to Terrificon in Connecticut, and Pat Broderick was there. And like the day before we went, I found out that he was one of the creators of the Creature Commandos. I'm like, oh, wow, hey, great. You know, so went diving into the archives, pulled out the aforementioned, aforementioned issue 93, you know, brought it with me and, you know, you know, had him sign my copy of it and everything. We were talking about maybe trying to get him to do a sketch uh, this year of one of the creature commandos just for, you know, just for the show and everything. But uh, you know, signatures at these cons are just getting ridiculous. I mean, some of these guys want 20 bucks a signature and it's just, you, you can't, spend a whole lot of money on that i mean it really cut into our our, um, our plans for the day what we wanted to do and who we wanted to get so i got a signature on a couple of books anyway <laughs> so they were the frankenstein monster which was uh hold on i gotta remember their names here uh elliot lucky taylor was the frankenstein monster who stepped on a landmine and they had to put him back together so he pretty much, so much lucky. <laughs> that doesn't sound lucky to me. <laughs> the werewolf was uh, Warren Griffith and uh, the vampire Vincent Velcro. And they were led by their human commander, Matthew Shriver. Now, I know originally, uh, I believe the vampire werewolf had taken some kind of experimental formula to make them that way. I don't know if that's been retconned over the years or not. Honestly, I was never a huge fan of the creature commandos, just in my personal opinion. I mean, we're, we're a long way away from getting to the Creature Commando episodes. We're only at like issue 36 of uh, Weird War Tales. And, and, you know, as you just said, you know, Creature Commandos don't show up until issue 93. So we got we got the ways to go yet. <laughs> but uh, they do bring in other characters. They bring in a Medusa character at some point. Uh, GI robot will fall in with them here and there. One of the stories I remember reading about is when when the title got canceled, I guess Bob Conniger was got all PO'd about it or something like that. They ended by all, all the creature commandos get put in a rocket ship and get shot into space. <laughs> Apparently he got all pissed off about it. And he drew himself as one of the people that going into the spaceship and getting shot off into space. Cause he was all, you know, irked about the way the whole thing, you know, got canned. That's just something I read someplace years and years ago. Um, I don't know how much truth there was to it, but I do find it plausible because I've heard, I have heard some pretty funny things about, about you know, how personal Conniger would take things sometimes. J.M. DeMatteis, he had said himself that he really liked the concept, but he felt, sadly, it didn't have much of an impact and didn't help the sales of Weird War Tales, which was part of the reason of the creation, which eventually ended up just getting canceled anyway, even. But the Creature Commandos have had a 
huge impact. Everybody who read comics, especially in the eighties, still remembers. Yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly it was certainly worth the shot. You know, you know, obviously the werewolf, the vampire, the Frankenstein monster. Worse ideas have come up to try to keep books afloat over the years. It was certainly worth you know worth the shot. And supposedly the rumor is that Len Wein had actually come up with the name, the Creature Commandos, but that another research I could do, was it ever 100% confirmed? No idea. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. So today we're going back to 2019, a whopping three years for DC Showcase Sergeant Rock. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, a lot of the direct-to-DVD movies they've done, they've released a series of uh, shorts for little, I wouldn't say little-known, but not as popular DC characters who might not necessarily be able to hold their own film. They've done everything from the Spectre to Green Arrow to Adam Strange, Commandy, and now they did Sergeant Rock. Original released August 6, 2019. This was actually directed by uh, Bruce Tim, who everybody knows. He worked on Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series. He worked on Justice League Animated Series. And he's also, if the Batman Cape Crusader cartoon ever does see the light of day, he worked heavily on that as well. I was surprised to see that the Sergeant Rock episode was written by uh, Walt Louise Simonson. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. Can't, I, can't go wrong with that. God. <laughs> yeah. I was both like shocked and pleasantly like I was super happy because Louise Simonson, Walter Simonson and Tim Sheridan wrote the cartoon to my knowledge. I, I wasn't sure Louise and Walter were still actually really writing anything. And especially I didn't know they were writing any uh, animation. Yeah, well, apparently <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they clopped, you know, Carl Urban over the head to be the voice of Sergeant Rock for this episode. So Anyone who doesn't know, uh, Walt Simonson had the long run on Thor. He uh, drew the X-Men Teen Titans crossover in the early 80s. Louise Simonson wrote a bunch of the mutant books. Uh, I believe she wrote Power Pack. I believe she's the co-creator of Cable, if I'm not mistaken. One of the things that we talked about on our show is um, I got, uh, you know, we, we covered uh, Weird War issue 10. It was this episode called uh, Cyrano's Army. And it was actually the very first professionally published work in comics by Walt Simonson was in Weird War Tales number 10. So, okay. whoa, wow. <laughs> so uh, when I went, Nick, whenever I, uh, I went to a con and Walt was there, I, uh, I had him sign that copy. And yeah, even all the way back from day one, he was signing his signature with that weird little dinosaur thing yeah. that, he, the, 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 all that he does. Even from day one, he was signing... Um, his books like that so you know know, points for uh, (laughs) finding something that he liked to do and keeping with it over the years produced by dc comics and uh warner brothers animation uh we're gonna go over the the there's not a lot of characters that have a lot of dialogue so we're gonna go over some of the voice acting like you said carl urban is the voice of sergeant rock uh if you don't know you should know he's uh (laughs) he played scourge the executioner in thor ragnarok he was uh Judge Dredd. Obviously, more recently, he's Billy Butcher on The Boys. Um, I believe he's Scottish or Irish, if I'm not mistaken. He was. He played some random no-name character on Star Trek. <laughs> Name's escaping me for a second. Hold on, I'm sure it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, from New Zealand. I love Carl Ehrman. I think he does a good voice, but uh, 
It's weird that they don't like Americans doing Sergeant Rock. First, back in the 80s, I don't know if you'll remember this, uh, there was a long period where they wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Sergeant Rock. Yeah, yeah I remember and that. And now they got Carl Urban from New Zealand playing <laughs> Sergeant Rock. They, uh... they they still haven't done it. They, I mean, they still haven't made the damn movie. I mean, come on. <laughs> How hard is it? Jesus. You, <laughs> now, um, Matthew Shriver does show up in this as well, and he's voiced by Keith Ferguson. Done a lot of voice work. He uh, A lot of the stuff listed as additional voices for his credits, but some of the stuff you will recognize, he is the voice of Dr. Fate in the uh, JSA animated film. Uh, he actually is the voice of Two-Face in the, uh, the two 1960s uh, style Batman cartoons they did based on the old TV show. He also was uh, on the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon as well. And uh, the villain, which I'm glad they also picked from the comics, the Iron Major. Even though I don't think he's referred to it in the cartoon ever as that, but uh, he was also created by Kubert and Kniger. He first appeared in Our Army at War 158. So you have all these other milestones. Do you have the first appearance of the Iron Major? <laughs> it's like I said... I have like I'm like five issues away from having every single DC war book out there. I mean, I, I I've got all the Sergeant Rock um, episodes. You know, I I was you know, huge, huge Iron Major fan. I and mean, there was there was one episode towards the end of the run where they actually teamed up. There was a bunch of like German and American deserters that were working together. You know, to work the whole black market thing and everything. So Rock and and Iron Major actually teamed up to take these guys down. You know, Iron Major actually had, you know, a um, a code of honor. I mean, there were there were a couple of times where, you know, he could have, you know, killed Rock and he didn't or something, you know, there was like some other Nazi thing going on that was just well away from the fore that he was just like, yeah, I can't take part in this. So, yeah, I was I've always been a big fan of the character. I mean, when I was watching this cartoon, it was really great, you know, seeing him show up. And him having him him and Rocco at it and everything. Anyone doesn't know the Iron Major is basically a Nazi, but he has a giant steel hand that is deadly. Thing about comics and Nazis is, uh, I love most of the Nazi villains from comics, but a lot of them are kind of painfully generic. There's Captain Nazi, there's Master Man, there's the Iron Major. They don't always put a lot of thought. I guess they just figure Nazi's good enough. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my my dad once famously said, you know, like you know, Nazis are the world's perfect bad guy. There's absolutely no redeeming qualities to him whatsoever. <laughs> but the yeah, the the Iron Major's origin, you know, I guess uh, one of his buddies uh, was in Russia the wintertime when one of the, one of his soldiers fell through the ice and he rammed his hand into the ice to save him and, and pulled him out, but his hand got so frostbitten it got gangrenous and had to be amputated. You know, so he had the you know the iron hand you know attached to his wrist, and the powers of the bees were all like, "Oh, you're handicapped. You can't do anything." And of course, he had to go out and prove everybody wrong. And the amount of times he's gone toe to toe with Rock obviously proves that point <laughs> that he wasn't done by any stretch of the imagination. I'd say the two best Nazi supervillains they've ever done would be probably Baron Blood from Marvel and uh, Baron Blitzkrieg from uh, DC. They character design and a little bit more thought went into those characters i feel uh never really <laughs> i really don't know them all that well actually uh baron blitzkrieg showed up the most prominently in all-star squadron baron blood was a nazi vampire who fought the invaders and then came back in the 80s and fought captain america again 
Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> there, during the 80s, I was mostly picking up the war books. It wasn't until uh, I got dragged, uh, dragged, uh, you know, back into the co- into comics by Max, actually. There's a comic book store, you know, a couple miles away from where we were going to college. And so I got pulled into, you know, the Punisher and Wolverine and Ghost Rider, you know, all these street level heroes in the late 80s, you know, when, you know, you couldn't you know, pick up a, a Marvel comic book and not have a guest appearance from the Punisher, Daredevil, or <laughs> sorry, Punisher, Wolverine, or Ghost Rider, you know, that, that period in the early 90s. <laughs> they, were, they were just beating you over the head of those three characters. But I've, I've always been like a street level hero guy. I've never been a huge team guy. I've never been a huge, you know, Superman, Thor, you know, I'll sneeze and blow out that sun. <laughs> a level of, of, of power guy so i just identify more of the street level types the iron major is voiced by william savers uh he did uh the voice of the penguin on the uh 60s style batman cartoons he was uh hugo strange in the gotham by gaslight dvd uh and he's done a ton of uh video game voiceover work as well so on that note Rich and myself are going to watch DC Showcase Sergeant Rock, and we're going to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It was called Project M, a top secret government experiment to create a team of super soldiers led by our genius scientist, me. We use the most sophisticated surgical procedures. (laughs) Just uh, needs a slight adjustment. We recruited our best and brightest to fight the battles that no traditional army ever could. It's too late. He's not going to make it. I just want to make sure. Oh, gross. But I'm checking him for a pose. The only loyalty we have is to each other. The M in Project M stands for... Monsters! You guys are monsters! (laughs) I guess he feels better. We are the... Freezer Commandos! Freezer Commandos! No one said fetch, you dumb mo- Freezer Commandos! I hate this! I know you do! Bones is somewhat irascible and cantankerous, uh, but he really does have a heart of gold. Shut up, Spock. We're trying to save you, damn it! Doctor, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Spock and Bones are supposed to be kind of on opposite ends of the scales. You know, Spock represents the, the rational, logical, scientific approach, and Bones represents the humanist, the compassion, and there's nothing that he won't do for his friends. And I really like that about the character. You're not actually going down there, are you? Jim, you don't rob a bank when the getaway car has a flat tire. It was pretty surreal at first to suddenly find yourself back on the bridge or back on the Meg Bay, working with exactly the same crew and exactly the same cast. It's been really amazing. Wait, Jim! The beach is that way! How do you kill something that's already dead? And the answer is, it's a big fat pain in the ass. 
Katie Kubert contacted me and and said, hey, we're going to put some DC characters into a horror world. Are you interested? I stopped cold when it got to rock because I'm like, I read him. He's low tech, old school, and he's just a great soldier. But in any of these fantastical stories, you get one gimme. And the gimme is Hitler can bring soldiers back from the dead. Sergeant Rock provides the answer of who's going to take care of business. As he says to his own guys, I don't know how they do it, and I don't care. Our job is to stop it. It's a pretty good marriage of artists and subject matter. He's great with characters. He's great with faces. He's great with mood. And that's everything. In a horror movie, mood is two-thirds of it. I'd hire Rock way over Ash any, any day of the week. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. And we are back, and we just watched DC Showcase presents Sergeant Rock. Now, I gotta ask um. Had you seen a lot of the DC showcases, or was this kind of a first for you? This was the first for me. I mean, I I, um, I don't really uh, stream a lot of stuff. We don't pay for a lot of stuff because there's just so damn much stuff out there right now. <laughs> I mean, it's all I can do to keep up with all the Star Wars and Marvel stuff, actually. But um, no, I mean, this that was that was a really really solid one. I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, you uh, fired this one across my bow. I rented it on YouTube and watched the episode. Watch, watch the whole thing. All the, all the, all the cartoons that were part of that episode. So, yeah, that was that was one worth worth waiting for. That was that was really really solid. I enjoyed that completely. We open in a unnamed random European city where Sergeant Rock and Easy Company are having a a shootout with the Nazis. Things aren't going too well for uh, for them. A lot of them are getting gunned down in the process. Now, uh, I'm not as familiar with Easy Company, so how uh, comic accurate would you say they're portrayed in this? They did pretty well with this, actually. I mean, like, their first parts of this of the cartoon, it really kind of reminded me of uh, Saving Private Ryan. You know, just the running around, you know, all the weaponry, everything seemed to look right to me. There's an explosion of th- throws a uh, bulldozer down, and just like in Private Ryan with uh, Captain Miller, you get that high-pitched that you know, in his ears and he's kind of like down one on his knees, kind of like puffing and puffing. And, you know, there's a tank coming up behind him. It's going to run him over and everything. And he's just kind of like dumbly looking over his shoulder at it because he's stunned and, you know, can't move. And you know, the rock shows up, you know, behind him and drops a grenade down the hatch and, you know, boom. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was, I think that was a really, really solid, solid opening. If, if I have to nitpick one little thing is, you know, my copy had this, it had uh, a lot of the, um, the sound effect voiceovers, the, the, the um, closed captioning, closed captioning. Ah, so okay. The sound effect closed captioning, and it's like, boom, <laughs> boom. No, lowercase, not even an exclamation point. It's like, boom. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's smoke and flame and everything on the screen. Just boom. <laughs> so it detracted from it a little bit. I'm going to get sidetracked for a second, but you brought up it being similar to Private Ryan and being kind of combat accurate a lot of theories have been that the war comics worked when they did and they wouldn't work now because the writers of that era actually all saw 
combat and saw real world adversity. Do you think there's any uh, truth to the fact that that's why those comics worked then, but they wouldn't work now? Uh, well, there were a lot of war books being sold in, in, in the fifties through the, through the eighties. Um, I think the market is there. I mean, every, every time there's a Sergeant Rock miniseries that comes out or an enemy a story or, you know, uh, you know, Garth Ennis. I mean, he wrote any, uh, any number of books for like, you know, war stories and battlefields and, and everything else like that. You know, that, I think the demand is there because every time this stuff comes out, God knows I buy it. But uh, I, know, I, I think there's always going to be, you know, superheroes is more escapism than, than, you know, the war stuff is. I mean, I, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I mean, like there's this one episode that there's this little kid running around pretending to be, you know, a soldier, you know, fight, you know, you know, killing the bad guys before mommy and daddy, you know, call them in for dinner or whatever else like that. And it's, that, that's very identifiable because who among us as a kid, you know, wasn't running around with a stick going pew, 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 <laughs> 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 you know, and everything. The, the market does what the market does, but, you know, every time I've seen a war book come out, I've, I think it's done pretty well. I mean, like I said, I've been chopping at the bit for this uh, Sergeant Rock uh, Army of the Dead book to come out ever since I heard it was coming. Sergeant Rock wakes up in a military hospital. He's been informed that Easy Company is either dead or MIA, and he's the only one who made it out alive. He's immediately called to go see uh, Matthew Shriver. Now, this is uh, was kind of weird to me because Shriver in the comic was always like the leader of the commandos. He was like the one human guy, but this is his only uh, time he appears in the actual cartoon. Yeah, I think in the comic book, he was running around wearing like a red sweater or something like that, if I remember right, which. Yeah, that's correct. Never looked right to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, do you want to get shot? Because running around in a bright red sweater, that's that's the way you do it. And of all the people you're running around with, you're the one most likely to die when you get hit. <laughs> and uh he tells uh rock there's a castle behind enemy lines where nazi scientists are working on a new doomsday weapon are the nazis ever not working on a new doomsday weapon? well and, and again that's one of the great things about okay this is going to come out wrong one of the great things about nazis <laughs> <laughs> the um they just they're like i said you're always working on something i mean like you know the rocket planes the jet planes you know the the early model intercontinental ballistic missiles and everything else like that you know the cruise missiles you know guns that can fire you know to you know, 30 miles and everything else like that they're working on some sort of like hypersonic space plane that could have bombed you know, like new york city or something like that so they had the technological know-how or they were or they had very very good leads on it but they could never actually get the materials together to actually do much with it and I guess we could thank Hitler for a lot of that also, because, you know, if he had just let the jet fighters be jet fighters and go tearing through our bomber streams, he could have done a lot more damage, but he wanted to convert them into bombers, which slowed them down so our fighters could catch up to them. And so, yeah, like, like again, you know, the, the Nazis are awesome bad guys. <laughs> so he gets a file on his new unit. The viewers don't get to see it, but uh, we know what's coming. Uh, and the next scene is some Nazis are in the woods outside the castle and they get attacked and we get our first glimpse of the creature commandos who pretty much go through the small group of Nazis like they're not even there. Yeah. I love the uh, the Frankenstein monster. He just grabs one Nazi by the neck, picks him up and just 
you know, just breaks his neck and just drops him. I'm like, oof. <laughs> that was rough. Nah. They're a vampire. He looks a lot more like Count Orlock from Nosferatu than he did like in the original comic. He looked more like Dracula, but in this version, he looks more like Count Orlock and Nosferatu. Yeah, uh, Vinny Velcro in the war and uh, Weird War. He had like kind of like, like so he had like the slicked back hair, you know, kind of like this you know fifties cool guy look to him and everything. This version of him is just like, whew, you know, that <laughs> you're a lot more scarier like this. I'm here to type. He's about to feed on one of the uh, Nazis, but Rock says he may be a Nazi, but he's still a human and he's not food for you. And Rock throws a knife, instantly killing the Nazi right in the head. Yep, that was uh, <laughs> that was a nice little touch. There's a little bit of animosity going on between them. Like, you know, it's it's a good thing these three guys are cognizant of the chain of command because if they just decide they've had enough they're all like you know what chance is even rock going to have against these three guys <laughs> i like it because i mean i don't know some people don't but i always like my heroes who what separates them from the villains is yeah they recognize evil but they don't lose their humanity they don't dive full deep into the i'm getting a little philosophical here, but they don't dive into the into the dark nature of humanity and rock is no exception yeah, that, that first little skirmish in the woods was great because one of the Germans walks off to go pee against a tree and then the uh, the werewolf just comes up behind him and gink and <laughs> just kills him while, he, while he's uh, relieving himself. I'm like, whew. The, were- <laughs> the werewolf doesn't wear a shirt in this one. The original Creature Commandos, he had an ill-fitted shirt in the uh, in the original comic book where he couldn't quite button it the whole way, but he was still wearing one. <laughs> so they make it to the... Uh, the castle, Frankenstein's going to knock the door down at first, but uh, Vince, Vinny, uh, he like gives him the shush shine, turns into a bat, and uh, flies over and opens the gate. I, I, <laughs> I always thought his character was kind of weird because, I mean, this uh, he can turn into a bat. He, he's not really a vampire, but he's got all the traits and powers of one. It was kind of funny because because the, the, the Frankenstein was all set to smash the door and he just goes shh he just turns into the vampire into the bat flies over drops it down and just you know opens uh, opens up the uh, the gate and they just walk in so they can uh, maintain the element of surprise. So I kind of just that kind of was funny the bat's all like shh <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it this way. So they they in the castle they discover two Nazi scientists who are. Pretty much got a Frankenstein monster type experiment. There's the old giant body under a sheet with electricity shooting everywhere. Pretty much straight out of the old Universal movies. Oh, yeah. Rock's all like, alive, guys. Alive? <laughs> yes. Um, we did forget to mention that. Is the, yeah, they, they wanted Rock to bring these scientists in alive so they could, they could, I guess, make the doomsday device for America instead. Cough, cough, and burn a brown bra and cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they kick a bunch of Nazis' ass, and then the Iron Major shows up. He defeats Rock pretty easily in a fight, has a gun on him, tells the commandos to release the scientists and stand down. But uh, Frank, he ain't, uh, <laughs> he ain't having that at all. He, like, smashes a, a bookcase right at the Iron Major. And uh, there's a giant door, which uh, is getting smashed open, and we see silhouettes of American soldiers, which Rock says to stand down. This is the cavalry. We're here to get you guys. Don't worry. But, but <laughs> his chagrin, it's easy company and they're turned into zombies. Yeah. Well, I got to admit that you're, you're just spoiled in reading, you know, comic books all these years. It's like, oh, they're, they've just been imprisoned and oh, they'll just rescue them and, and everything's going to be okay. And like, 
oh my. No, they're not. <laughs> Those guys are dead, D-E-D, dead, purples covered with, you know, uh, stitches and, and vacant eyes and everything else. I'm like, oh, wow, did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's more implied with the stitching that they're more like Frank, where they're uh, they're more like Lucky and they're actually sewn together and brought back to life. I don't know if they're straight up zombies or not. Yeah, they kind of look dead to me, you know, but... <laughs> Like like Frank, but yeah. So you know, like you said, the uh, so those guys come charging out, and you know the creature commandos and Frank have to mix it up and everything. And the creature commandos, you know, knock off the the five or six Joes that that come out. You know, I think Rock was fighting with Wild Man. Yeah, Iron Major shoots the redheaded uh, member of Easy Company. Of course, you know he's already dead, so it's just like ow, ow, ow. <laughs> And uh, Frank is like uh, lucky is awesome in the scene. He like crushes one of their necks. Like he a wild man. I think it is. He like rips in half completely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then finally they, they, they do start the experiment. And under that sheet is a giant zombified Frankenstein version of dozer. He's actually kind of a match for Frank. They get into a fight. He actually catches Frank's fist at one point in this fight. Yeah. The, yeah those two go toe to toe for a few seconds here. And he actually pitches, uh, you know, lucky, you know, across the room. Then he's all like, you know, starts coming after, uh, after rock tosses rock around and you know, rock picks up his Thompson, you know, and just starts hosing him down. Yeah. His machine gun at first has no effect whatsoever. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's a, a 45 caliber bullet at close range, you know, 20 rounds. That's, you know, he's, you know, stitched him, you know, chest to head until his head explodes and, you know, you know, it collapses and, Falls backwards into the fire and he's he's done. Literally, Rock blows Dozer's head completely off. <laughs> so finally, they've solved everything. They're closing in on Iron Major and the scientist, but uh, he points out that they have their orders. They're not going to kill him. They need him for the device. Follow your orders, Rock. He's very big on making it clear that Rock needs to follow orders and leave them alive. A little bit cocky about it, I would say. Yeah, well... Like I said, you know, Iron Major and Rock, you know, went toe to toe a lot in the comic book. So these guys know each other. So, you know, they know how, how the other one is wired, but he, he is, he does have this condescending. It's like, you're going to take me alive. I know you're going to take me alive. Don't even play at me that you're going to, you're going to you know, gun us down in cold blood here because you're not gonna. So do your duty, Sergeant. And then Rock turns to Vinny, asks him if he's Vincent, I should say, are you still thirsty? Kind of a nod, and the commandos move in on them. And the last <laughs> <laughs> bottoms up. <laughs> the last shot of you, Rock's kind of walking away. And you can hear the Iron Major and the Nazis screaming in the background. Where obviously, even the most dimwitted individual, the the commandos had their way with them. Yeah, it's just like this is the kind of technology neither side needs. Okay, you know, no, I'm not bringing this in. No. <laughs> <laughs> in the comic books did the iron major did they have a definitive end for him did he ever die in the comic um the issues well they kept bringing him back you know i don't remember him actually like dying dying i mean the the first one of the early episodes he thought he was dead because his his he was you know, wailing away on rock and his hand hits a landmine and boom and big smoke cloud and then he was gone when everything cleared so he kind of thought that he'd, he'd been blown to pieces but I guess the um, the readers spoke, and it was like how much they liked that character. So they just okay, he wasn't dead. He was just you know knocked into a ditch or something like that. And they so they they brought him back you know several more times to jam with Rock and Company. 
the final shot of our film, Rock is looking at the castle on fire and tells the commandos to line up. Hope you enjoyed your vacation because it's going to get rough from here. And Rock's going to now command the creature commandos, which I like how they all stand at attention too. Like they really, uh, they do take, uh, they take Rock seriously and they respect his chain of command. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's it's been a long, long time since I've read the origin stories. So I think I want to say there was some sort of like dirty dozen, you know, tie-in or something like that. You know, it's just like you're, you're criminals. If you do what you're told, you know, it's going to go a lot better for you. You know, reduce sentences or we won't just shoot you outright or you won't get life imprisonment or whatever. So I think that was why they were they were behaving you know, in the, in the comic book series, again, it's been a hyper long time since I've read the origins of the creature commandos, but I seem to think that's why they quote, quote, behave. <laughs> well, if you remember the comic, uh, you, you said you hadn't read it. Matthew Shrive is, he's a jerk in the comic books. He, tre- he treats these guys like crap. Like he has no problem reminding them that they're not human. And they're these uh, misfits. Yeah. They're freaks and, and, and everything else like that. He, he treats them like garbage like the whole freaking time and it's just like you know the you know the slave driving leader or something like that it's just guys like that are quite stereotypical for roles like this and the final shot is rock soulfully looking at the fiery remains of the nazi castle and there you have it dc showcase presents sergeant rock short but sweet i would say yes and well worth the time spent i've enjoyed most of the showcases and this one uh was a delight. We're going to go right into our uh, review and our ranking. We're going to our spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, spectrometer is where we rank what we just watched. Four spectros being perfection, zero being dog shit. <laughs> Rich, how many spectros are you going to give? DC Showcase presents Sergeant Rock. Oh, well. <laughs> I have to quantify it by saying this is like, you know, the first ones I've ever watched and everything, but just as far as the way this, the story was written and presented and the artwork and everything else, like the animation, I mean, I've got absolutely no problems with any of this. I will give this one top marks. This was a completely enjoyable, well thought out and um, put together piece of uh, piece of work here. You're going four. You're going perfection. Um, perfection. I, I have no. I have no qualms with any of this stuff. I'm gonna go three and a half. I liked it. Artwork's great. Like the characterization. Like seeing all these characters. My only complaint is, uh, Easy Company and the Commandos could have been fleshed out a little bit more, but they did only have like 13 minutes or whatever. So I, I can't fault them that much for that. But that would be my only complaint about it at all. And one one of the things that we talk about on on, uh, on the Weird Warriors podcast is you know as one of the bits I do is uh, Killjoy was here. You know during the war there was the mythical allied super soldier Killroy and there's graffiti that went all over the place. So it's a play on words Killjoy. You know I'm I'm here to undercut the fun kind of thing. Where I find where things were wrong or things that could have done better or whatever. And that's something I bring up sometimes. It's just like, yeah, they could have done more, but you know, it's a, it's a three page story. You gotta get to it. You can't, you don't have the, you don't have the space or the time to flesh out character development, unfortunately. So I enjoyed a lot close to perfection. I rank it really high, but I'm only taking a half a specter off just because I would like to have seen some of these characters fleshed out a little bit more. But other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed. 
DC Showcase presents Sergeant Rock. What did you think out there? Did you uh, you couldn't have liked it much better than we did, but uh, you might have <laughs> li- you might have liked it less. Let me know if you did like it. You can go to my social media, Matt Spectro on Twitter, and you can find me at Matt Spectro through the multiverse uh, on Facebook and give us your thoughts on DC Showcase Sergeant Rock. Rich, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. I'm always ready to talk some Sergeant Rock. As always, uh, this is where we reach the free plug part of our podcast. The floor is yours. Plug away on anything and anything you want to plug. Uh, well, got to plug the show, right? Weird Warriors podcast. We cover the Weird Warriors, uh, the Weird War Tales comic book that was published by DC Comics between 1971 and 1983. Uh, you can reach out to us on our Twitter handle at or our Gmail account at weirdwarriorspodcast at gmail.com. We generally drop uh, one episode every other week with the odd special mission. If there's another random like-themed book out there that would fit in with the likes of its two co-hosts, we will put something out like that for you also. So come on by and give us a listen. You won't be disappointed. I can verify. I've listened to a couple of episodes. Uh, definitely good, especially if you're a fan of anthology comic books like I am. And I can't remember which one of you, but one of you does a spot on authentic French accent as well. That would be me. (laughs) (laughs) I I took French in school. I mean, I've I've been to France a couple of times. I've been to Normandy and everything. So yeah, that, that, that that would be me. I'm also the guy that does the, the Rod Serling impression to say i think max tried it once and it was just a disaster so that that's one of my little side handles also <laughs> at first i laughed because i thought you were like doing a put on and then the more i listened i'm like oh wait he actually sounds like he actually has spoken french in his <laughs> oh, i want to thank you for joining us i hope you'll come back for some time maybe bring max with you next time yeah, well, we're, we're recording on a friday he has to work i worked longer days monday through thursday so i had a day off so And I hope uh, you and everyone out there has a happy, happy Halloween. Thank you for joining us all. And join us again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Thanks, everyone. Excelsior.